Well, Cole, we made it. Yeah, it was a tough, tough task, but we managed to gather together all the DeLoreans, phone booths, and haunted tomes, and somehow cross the dimensions and have ended up in the world of sacrifice, I guess? Sac- sacrificia? Sacri- sa- sacrificium? Uh, Sacramento? Yeah. I don't know. But I don't know about you, but I'm looking for power, and I'm willing to sacrifice anything to get it. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I, You know, amateur podcastry is just, it's low-level wizardry at best. I want power as well. And uh, these gates look like a good place to start. Check it out, man. They're, they're glowing. Charnel, the god of death and dismay, understands your thirst for power. Your lack of podcasting power is certainly a grave situation. Oh, Charnel, light up. Hi, my name is James. I'm the god of slow, ground-based units. You two look like slow, ground-based units to me. Perhaps you could use a patron that is a little bit more down-to-earth. Well, he's, he's got us there. I'm, I'm definitely ground-based. But perhaps you don't have to be if you set your sights upon a more lofty goal. My name is Stratos, and I oversee the heavens. And for some reason, also coldness. I, I can give you power to leave your workaday worlds and take to the skies. Like Brazil. Neat. There is no money in skies. Have you seen the state of the airline industry? What you need are the engines of capitalism, fueled by rich, creamy slavery. My name is Pyro, and if you join me, I can really ignite your podcasting careers. Eh, slaves. Uh, As a pair of, you know, straight white males aged 18 to 35, I'm... Not certain, you know, with our history. Yeah, there's, there's a whole dark period there. I, Mr. Pyro, I think what my, my partner is trying to ask is, what color are these slaves? I can see that you two are of strong moral fiber. Like plant fiber? No? Then why not join me, Persephone, the goddess of good and nature, and Nutella and Super Metroid and everything wonderful in the world? I've never thought about it before, but now I can't stop thinking about playing Super Metroid while just eating an entire bucket of Nutella. Cole, we have a lot to think about. This is an important choice. I mean, I've kind of always wanted to fly. Uh, so, I don't know. So, so gods, goddesses, what do we have to do to gain these boons? Well, only a ten-mission-long tug-of-war style battle of attrition against a series of foes, each more tedious and bland than the last. Oh, well, is there some variety of these missions? Um, kind of. Not not so much in mine. How about you guys? Is it, is it just kill the wizard and pretty much all of them? Sometimes two wizards. <laughs> oh. Well, I mean, I bet there are a lot of kind of tactical options and approaches for facing them, right? Hmm, <laughs> no. Only by following the rote strategy of turtling encounters striking will you be able to... Bring doom to your foes. God, this sounds just goddamn awful. Jesus, man. Gary, let's let's get out of here. Yeah, I'm with you there. We just have to make sure that we watch out for the pyrodraulic dynamo.
Hello, my name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you are listening to Watch Out for Fireballs. It's a retro video games podcast. And this week we are talking about Sacrifice, which is a real-time strategy game published by Interplay in 2000 uh, for the PC. The game is also developed by Shiny as well. Mm-hmm. Shiny of Earthworm Jim fame. Um, the game is uh, more or less unique from other RTS games because it takes place from a third-person perspective behind the main character, um, who is a wizard, and you're aligned with one of five elemental gods. If you played Brutal Legend, it's the same same genre as that. Exactly. Most missions are won by making your way to an opposing wizard's altar and sacrificing one of your own units on it, hence the title, uh, which keeps enemy wizards from reviving, and when you kill them, you win that match. Right, and, and this game, when it came out, it was definitely kind of revolutionary for its graphics, which used TNL or texture and lighting graphics cards to produce gigantic maps with varied terrain uh, via tessellation. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, of Tribes 2, actually, uh, fondly <laughs> at first, and then not fondly at all. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I now hate Tribes 2, which I never thought would happen. Um <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll go through a big list of things we hate now. Exactly. Post sacrifice. So, exactly. Food doesn't taste as good. <laughs> oh. oh man, the game is also pretty well regarded for its intric- intricate story and uh, its sense of humor. I mean, this is a shiny game after all, and it does, for all intents and purposes, feature Earthworm Jim as one mm-hmm. of the deities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and kind of despite that that well-regarded nature. Um, it didn't sell really well, and it never saw a sequel. Um, Brutal Legend, which I had mentioned before, as well as uh, Giants, colon, Citizen Kabuto, are considered sort of the spiritual successors to the game, um, even though Giants came out very uh, almost concurrently with yeah. this, but they, they share some DNA for sure. There are people who uh, suggested that we like play Giants, Citizen Kabuto for this podcast. Um, no. <laughs> nope! <laughs> Uh, I, I haven't actually. Uh, I we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit later. I I have both of those games. Okay. And uh, I haven't spent any time with with giants, but uh, yeah, yeah. I assume yeah. that you have. Or are you just saying it based on its relation to this? Game? Based on anything adjacent to. This. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's, I like. Suffice it to say that, that Cole and I both didn't like this game very it's, much. But like, it, it pains me to say this because because like it's it's a tacit non-endorsement of, of of everything that we're about to say like if you like this game you're not going to like the things that we say about it and if you have never played this game you probably are not going to be interested in talking like hearing about a like a not good game even though those are, those tend to be our most popular episodes of the stats bear <laughs> out um <laughs> and if you don't like this game you're going to agree with us so why do we care about your opinion anyway <laughs> but 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 like it like it pains me to say it like right up front all that i have like the the, the last word that i wrote in my notebook here was nope nope <laughs> yeah it's, it is a frust- uh, frustrating uh mess of a game and, and we're gonna we're gonna go through the plot and go through the game a little bit and articulate why that is yeah even though it really boils down to just a couple of handful, you know, a handful of issues that I, I, from the kind of listener response we got from this, you know, this game is really well, well thought of. And I think that just kind of this weird design blind spot that some people have where they, uh, they can just overlook these things that both Cole and I found uh, impossible to do so. Right. So, yeah. um, So, I mean, we'll, 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 we're going to do our due diligence though. So yeah. not, not to spoil the end, we're gonna we're gonna treat it. We gave it a fair shake. Yeah, we did. Yeah. I, I played it most of the way through. Yeah, 
I, I beat uh, beat one of the campaigns. Okay. Um, but let's let's start. Out, we'll talk about the plot a little bit, which is one of the one of the ways this game does not totally shit the bed. <laughs> so, <laughs> with the lights on. Um, yeah. So the story is told um, kind of like interestingly after the fact uh, as a conversation between you and uh, and Mithras, who is a blind seer, you, you know, you, you're Eldred, a wizard who has fled from his own world after it was destroyed by Marduk, a demon that you summoned in order to destroy uh, your opposition in that and world. And if you want to have a great time playing the story parts of this game, just every time Marduk comes up, think Marmaduke. <laughs> which is what i thought and it makes this game awesome because like i mean not in general it doesn't make it worth playing but the idea of these <laughs> these wizards staying around talking about the great wrath brought upon by summoning marmaduke like cracked my shit up so <laughs> damn it marmaduke that was my ham sandwich <laughs> that, that was my realm marmaduke I mean, you know it, it just it's marduke is so silly sounding and it sounds so close to marmaduke <laughs> It just <laughs> it drives me mad. Yeah, it's just it's 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 so it's so funny. The, uh, so so after you know you fled your own world and you arrive in this new world and you you find five squabbling gods, um, who are warned of a prophecy that one of them will betray the others. And uh, the five gods are uh, Persephone, James, Stratos, Pyro, and Charnel. And uh, seeing this as a chance to find purpose after your world is is destroyed. Um, you as Eldrig sought to uh, to serve one of these gods. Those gods are listed in order of goodness to evilness. Now, eventually, it is revealed that Marduk has found his way into this world that you have found your own your own way into, um, and he seeks to destroy it too. Uh, the traitorous god uh, that summoned him was Stratos, um, seeking to be the last god of the land. And eventually Eldred and whichever god he chooses to ally with kills the other gods and Marduk himself. And you are left with the choice to either stay with the last remaining god and rebuild the land of uh, uh, gigantic floating islands or to flee to another dimension and start again. And that's really, you know, just to kind of front load all of the positive stuff. So the, the story to this game is, is reasonable. Um, the, the heart of it, the reason why it's well remembered, I think, is just in these personality of these five gods. Um, kind of the presentation and voice acting is really strong and really neat. Like, I mean, I, I assume that you agree with that. I don't think we talked about it specifically. I definitely agree. I mean, I, I, I looked forward to the interstitial kind of segments where you were choosing your next god to ally with. Yeah, it's it's really, I mean, that's it's really strong. You know, that part is really neat. And they, they are, they're pretty nuanced. So you have... Um, Persephone, and, and a lot of this, you know, I played through the game just through one campaign. Um, so a lot of this I read online. I also read a lot uh, in the manual, like a lot of the backstory is in the manual. And uh, it's really kind of clever. It's, it's represented as kind of a Bible. And there's the book of Persephone and the book of James and the book of Stratos. And they explain their units and their spells uh, in their own voice. And it kind of lets you get to know them. That's cool. Um, but it's neat because Persephone is this, this goddess of, of life and forest and everything. But she's kind of portrayed, or portrayed as, uh, you know, kind of negatively. Like she's definitely very arrogant. Um, she's very self-righteous. Um, she's quick to, to get revenge, and everything. And then uh, Charnel, who is this god of death and destruction, um, is not necessarily pure evil. It's more of this kind of deliciously evil, you know, persona. And then Stratos, being the the neutral god, ends up being the actual the the betrayer. Yeah, he's definitely the more mer- the most mercenary of them. I played out a lot in uh, my missions. Um, I played through allying with uh, Pyro, 
the entire uh, game, not because I was particularly interested in him, but because I was struggling to to make progress and had read that it was the uh, you know the easiest path through the game, which you you never want to make a decision like that in a game, <laughs> you know. And then and to me that signaled that if if I wasn't playing this for the podcast, I probably would have just quit. Yeah. At that point, like I can't play this the way I want to, uh, but I was dedicated to getting through to the end. And even with Pyro's kind of overpowered units and spells, I, I you know that did not prove enough. I ended up cheating like a like a motherfucker <laughs> to get through this. Um, but uh, during Pyro's plot, um, Stratos, you know, definitely you, you can ally with him. He offers his services several times mm-hmm. to you. Well, that's the thing. Like, no matter which god you, you you express your allegiance to, you're offered the chance to betray them. So, like, I played through Alive with Persephone uh, the entire way through because I thought that it was going to be like a, like a StarCraft kind of thing where you play as Persephone then you play as James, oh, okay. then you play as any of those. So I was thinking like each of them had their own missions and you just went through them, uh, you know, sequentially or anything like that. I didn't realize that there were 10 finite missions that you could go after and you were making choices depending on, you know, how you felt at that time. So even though I didn't necessarily like want to align myself with 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 uh with persephone i started out because i just wanted to go for the purposes of of neatness and organization from left to right and right. And, and diligence you know you, you thought you were going to do them all you know and if, if you could just do them so this is another you know we'll, we're going to have to point out when we say positive things about this game another really positive thing about this game is that it, it doesn't do that it's not just a non-linear you know each god has a series of missions you can do them in any order it's 10 missions and you kind of get funneled a little bit in the end, but for the first several of them, you can ally with any God. Right. Um, and each time, so there's mission one, and it takes on a different form depending on which God you decide to ally with. You get different units. And then that kind of forms a tier that stays with your wizard in his spell book. Right. So if you do Persephone's missions first, you get her first level spell and her first level units. But then if you switch sides and, and ally with Pyro, you get his second level spell, his second level units. This is really neat. Yeah. Like, can you think of another game that does that? That like like links your development with with the narrative? Yes. Like no, I I, I mean I'm put on the spot here. I don't know why you yeah. would do that to me. But <laughs> <laughs> no, no. But just like it, it's cool. Like like looking back on it and assembling the show notes and realizing like hey, you know, like I lied with Persephone the whole way, which gave me a bunch of healing spells and units, but not a lot of way to you know, deal damage, um, you, you know, I was a little bit disappointed because it was like, oh, if I had like gone with Pyro a couple of times, I could actually have been decent at playing this game and not have had to cheat, you know, the <laughs> no, entire no, way through. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, so. no, no, nah. But the, <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah, dog, nah. nah dog. So. Um, but it, but that is, that's an awesome idea that you, you construct your character by how you branch through the narrative and that you have that much freedom. I mean, towards the end, the gods start, you well, you kill some of them for one, and then for two, you you know, you do unforgivable things. So at a certain point, you know, Persephone wouldn't take me back, but James still would because he's a little bit more moderate. Um, and then eventually he wouldn't take me back, and eventually I had burned you know, all of the bridges. <laughs> yep, I um, caught that it. I, I caught that it. I could uh, through Pyro, but at least initially. And this actually, I didn't play any of the multiplayer, but this is a really cool thing because when you go through the single player campaign, you're creating a character for the multiplayer. So, so at the end of the game, you export your profile, and that's the character you created. So it's kind of like the world's longest character creation system. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like GURPS, like, like <laughs> just this hour, you know, several hour long uh, 
ridiculous character creation system. And it's fucking cool. Like I, I thought that was really neat when I, the, before the game had turned into, to a chore to play. And I realized that I could switch gods between missions. I was really happy because I thought that was an awesome idea. Yeah. No, I mean, if you didn't have to do any of the actual things that you had to do in this game, that would be amazing. <laughs> if you didn't have to do it, to do any of the games or if they were just different, you know, like just, yeah. it's not impossible that they, they could be better, but they, they definitely could. Um, we're not going to do like a traditional kind of level by level. It's so different between like who you choose to ally with. I mean, I've got a notebook here, shuffle, um, full of, uh, you know, my mission one, mission two, mission three. It's, it, it, it's not, it's, it's not the way it breaks down. Like we can't say that and have that be universal to like, Oh, if you're playing through this with us, no, that doesn't work. Although we can say, however, that most of the missions break down to be, Hey, kill the other wizard and you're going to win. Right. There, there's, that's, uh, you know, not the, the worst flaw in this game, but one of the big flaws is there's a real lack of variety and kind of objectives. I think a good way to, you know, rather than just kind of like laying out what's wrong with the game and then having a half hour episode, we should probably <laughs> talk a little bit about our respective experiences as we kind of went through it. Um, yeah. You know, maybe not level by level, but just kind of touch on some things that, that we came upon and then uh, and then kind of just spend a good, healthy chunk of time explaining why none of that worked <laughs> and why, why it became literally like, I, you know, I come home from work and it's you know, a long day and everything. And there's just, you know, I just I remember I put put it on our Facebook group like there's literally nothing I wanted to do less than, than <laughs> bang my head against the wall and try to get past this like specific mission again and, and sacrifice. So so the actual gameplay of this just becomes god awful. And we should make a point of like mentioning when we started cheating. That's true. Yeah. yeah. And and I in good faith, so the the dedication I have to the show is that I tried every mission at least once before cheating. Okay. So I, I could have just you can you can spam cheat and get through the game pretty easily, um, not easily but it, tediously but, but consistently, <laughs> um, like the, the, the you can do that if you'd like. But um, I tried everything at least once, and uh, and and put in a good effort. So even though my play clock at the end might only be twelve hours or so, I definitely uh, died many times after a very long mission. One specifically infuriating time due to a glitch. And oh, I lost no. about an hour and a half of progress oh, on no. a promising uh, mission five, I think, for Pyro. <sighs> so, yeah, mission five is where it got really frustrating for me. But like, why don't we just like discuss, you know, some of the some of the basic mechanics um, of each mission, since it is pretty much just like wizard versus wizard. Most of the narrative like is like this ambassador from this god is on the other side of this map and we have to X, Y, Z, and then, oh no, we have to kill them and desecrate their altar. Yeah. Like, so why, why don't we discuss like the, like, the, like the back and forth? Because this is a genre which we on the Facebook page admitted, you know, along with first person shooters is something that we are just incompetent at. Yeah. And, right? and I'm even, yeah, I'm, I'm not good at, at RTSs. I like them and I, yeah. I play them, but I play like I, <laughs> I do it wrong because I play the single player mode on a, you know, as hard a difficulty as I can handle, you know, which <laughs> oftentimes is like a step below medium. Yep. And I still have fun with them. Like I love Starcraft. I love playing. I love Warcraft three. Starcraft two is a fucking amazing game. I love it. But I feel like that's because it learned from this generation of RTSs. You and know? That's, that's probably true. Even the original Starcraft is really fun for oh, me yeah, to play, yeah. you know, and I, but I never went on online and just you know the learning curve is just too high i have no interest in playing video games with online strangers ever 
And that's just, you know, that's true of FPSs too. I'm just, I'm not that competitive of a, of a person. I'm not interested in that. So, you know, when I get that, you know, I played Rise of Nations for a while too, and it's, it's really fun. Like I, but I have to play them at my own speed and I have to do it by myself or I'm not going to enjoy it. I'm not good at these games. I just kind of enjoy them. So, and this is being this weird kind of mutant hybrid of, a, of an RTS makes it even harder because the, yeah. the, the things that make this a non-traditional RTS are not improvements. Like they do not make oh, the game no. easier. Like RTSs are about unit management, right? Like no, no matter how much an RTS is less about micromanagement than a, than, than a turn-based strategy game, like you are still trying to select certain types of units to attack certain types of units. So this game sets up this tenuous base of, you know, rock, paper, scissors of, you know, ground-based range units versus ground-based melee units versus air-based melee units versus air-based range units like that like that's the rock paper scissors that they're trying to set up but because of the camera and because of you know the limited like let's just crib this from starcraft like set up our you know set up our groups controls like you you, you can't do it the the, I, the actual the mechanics for getting selecting all the units of one type or setting them into groups and everything i had no problem with it was when I was in like the heat of battle and I, I needed to really select all of my guys, you know, or or do something like that where it would really be a huge advantage to have an overview map. Yeah. And if this game were made now, I don't understand why there isn't a, a hybrid of that where like you literally just keep scrolling the mouse wheel back and end up at an overview. Right. And if you want, you can zoom in on your character over the shoulder. You know, that would have worked. You have this, like, emphasis on your main character, uh, you know, an Eldred during the campaign. I, n- I never played any multiplayer because, dear God, why would I? Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you have, you have this emphasis on, 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 your, on your wizard. Uh, let's just say that. And your wizard really can't do much of anything except for like maybe cast one or two spells. But I spent most of my most most of my mouse clicks just trying to summon or since I was Persephone, mrr, heal my units. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> it's, it's, there's there's a lack of feedback. So if if you have spells that affect your your units, there's a lack of kind of feedback of their individual health. Exactly. Um, getting that information is not something you can really do in the heat of battle. Your units so, are dying. Right. <laughs> your, your units are, yeah, your units are being attacked. And they, they always are because everything just happens really, really quick. Later on, the, man, we this is just turning into a shit show, though. <laughs> this podcast is crumbling into just like a pile of complaints. And any structure that we had in mind is just out the window. But, but there's it. not. Like, like, like I, yeah. I don't know any other way to approach it. I mean, yeah, just it's... like the, the, the great thing about this game is you can choose your own path through it. Yeah. And so the great thing about this podcast is that we can just kind of throw, choose our own path of, of tearing it apart, the game apart. And that's, but... and also it's weird, like, you know, I, I've talked to other people about this. I talked about it a little bit on Facebook, but yeah. there's part of me that just wants to kind of spout this shit so I can hear you go, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I just kind of want to get it out. Do so, it, do so, it. So, so this is a kind of a problem with all the RTSs, but like huge problem in this game when you don't have a good overview is that, so they, they make some, some gestures towards having some utility of action. So you have your, your spell book of, that your wizard can cast and different units have different abilities. But that in like the heat of battle, like the way that things move that quick, it's so hard to do any of that. Oh my God. Like I, I use spells, but it was because I was pyro and almost all my spells were area attack spells. Mm-hmm. So I would cast one to soften up whatever the target was and then just send in all my guys, just right click 
go do whatever you have to do and then just kind of hope. And and by that point, I'd gone into, you know, the, the other big problem with this game is that I was all but guaranteed to win a slow, tedious victory mm-hmm. based on the strategy of, of attrition that you have to take yeah. to get through the game. No matter what god you are. And, and, and it's worse with other gods where you just kind of go slower. Like with Pyro, I was allowed to be a little bit more aggressive because my units were pretty quick and, and definitely offensively powerful. Um, and with James, you can move a little quick because your guys are very durable. But um, with any of the other creatures, especially especially Stratos, who I started out with, I wanted to be Stratos because his design is amazing. Yeah. I love the way Stratos looks. Actually, the, all the characters look great in this mm-hmm. game. Ding, ding, ding. Positive thing about Sacrifice. <laughs> all, all of the designs are great. All the gods look really good. Stratos has a, a floating balloon for a head, which I just yeah. love. It's surreal. It's, it's got a helium take on his back. It's so cool. Like that, that, He kind of looks like he's draped in an American flag. And he's voiced so, by fucking Tim Curry. Yeah, there's nothing uncool about Stratos. Like, Stratos is awesome. Of course I wanted to pick Stratos. Until, like, I found out his units are made of rice paper. And that, uh, you know, they just, they die as soon as you look at them funny. And, uh, but the, so I would try to do, you know, I started with his units and they had, like, a speed up ability. And his archers had a turn invisible ability to scout. And I could use it sometimes, but as soon as I got attacked, it just all went out the window. And it just became about managing my character you know, my because I had this avatar, I had to keep him out of danger because if if he dies, look the fuck out, you're gonna lose everyone on that that mission. Yep. You know, undoubtedly. And uh I just I couldn't it's I don't know what the word would be. It's like there's it's not you can't micromanage it, but I wanted to be able to. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it's it's way too hectic. So the, the special abilities and almost ninety percent of the spell kind of stuff fails. Yeah. You're really just you're doing the same thing that you you did to to just power through Warcraft two and Command and Conquer, which is create <laughs> The, enough of the biggest possible things you can do and just right click them at the enemy base. It's a Zap Brannigan strategy. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> let, let me throw enough peons at them in order to clog their instruments and roadways so that they can achieve victory. Exactly. You know, they, they're, they're little tiny crabs on Christmas Island and you're just, you're just gumming up the works and, and, and that's it. So that sucks. Did, did did you ever like encounter like uh like like hotkeys for casting spells? Because I never did. I you know they they tell you how to do that. I just I never do. I'm not that level of PC gamer <laughs> where I start doing hotkeys. I did all the groups, so I would group my my characters together. But okay. I never ended up using hotkeys. See, like I'm I'm that level of like Adobe and Final Cut person <laughs> to where <laughs> like to where like the less I have to use the mouse, the better. And I almost and I ended up almost never using never using spells except for heal, which on Persephone, which you press H and then you press on the the unit that you want to heal. Um, you know, so that's a hotkey, and that works because you're in the heat of the moment and you can't pause shit because you know, it's real time. Mm-hmm. It is a real time strategy game. Um, but like, like even switching between your three classes of spells, which are summoning your spells and then structure spells. Like if I could have just switched between those without clicking on the icons beneath them, um, yeah. I would have been much more prone to actually, um, I don't know, enjoy the moment to moment. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, is definitely, you know, the moment to moment's a big problem. We should talk a little bit about when you talk about the structure spells. So, this isn't an RTS, you know, like a traditional one where you actually build bases or anything like that. Yeah. It's entirely based on just controlling resources on the map. And uh, you do so mostly through your structure spells. Right. Um, well, so structure, create, you know, structure spell. Let's, right, be, let's be clear right. here. <laughs> 
Well, you also did you use the defender spell? Yes, yes, much? yeah, yeah. I use I use the, I abuse the shit out of that. Yeah, I as Persephone, I just like whenever I, whenever I would spawn a manolith, which is what you put over a mana fountain, which you know gives you magic energy. Um, I would just spawn like a dozen rangers, and I would defend them onto that so that it would never be captured ever again. Yep. And so these mana lists are your source of, of mana, which you need to, to cast spells, which is, you know, always, always the case. The other kind of resource you use in this game are souls. So there's kind of like a finite number of units on the map. And you start with a very small number, and your opponent starts with, with some as well. And then there are, every once in a while there are neutral units on the map that you can slaughter to harvest their souls. I found that they didn't use that third piece enough. This game. Did no, you, no. Did you get very much of that? Like every once in a while, I'd run into a village with like four guys, and I would always slaughter them um, to get the get those souls. But it didn't happen very often, and it was never enough. Mm-hmm. Like, like like just if it's not going to be enough, then why put them there? Yep. And and it would have been neat if it became kind of this a little bit like those um you know like uh when you play Warcraft three multiplayer and there's a element where you're sending your hero around to kill neutral units so you, you know that you can gain those resources before your opponent. Mm-hmm. Um, if your wizard was a little beefier and uh, there was a little bit more of those neutral resources, it would kind of change that phase of the game, which would be kind of fun. The other weird mechanic when it comes to souls is that you you have your souls which are blue and your opponents which are red. And if you have to take a red soul, you have to summon these things called a sack doctor. <laughs> and yeah, like, which like every time I've gone to see a sack doctor, it is not cause for celebration. No, it is because something weird is going on and I'm feeling uncomfortable. And, it, you know, every time I pee, it there's it's not red, but it's worrisome. Yeah, it's not. It's not. Yeah, it's not blood, <laughs> but it's not urine. And, <laughs> um. So you summon these sack doctors. Well, you've been spending too much time with your mana whores. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yes, yeah. so I, I was waiting for that uh, an opportunity to bring up mana whores. Sorry, uh, no, it's it's okay. The uh, yeah. so after you see the mana whore, you have to go see the sack doctor. Uh, we're not above it. The, the <laughs> I'll pick the low hanging fruit. I don't care. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, that's the uh, so mana whores or so sack doctors are these weird little neutral. <laughs> units that are they kind of perform the administrative tasks of this world like they work for everybody did you ever figure out where they fall in the cosmology no no because they're the i think as far as i know they're the only units that are universal to every single uh every single patronship that you can that you can do i mean they're the basic mana horrors give you mana they're around you and sack doctors will uh, either defile a, a shrine or take people's souls. So, One of the things I, I liked how the sack doctors took out their souls where they like plunged them with a syringe, like a big syringe. <laughs> I really like that. Like well, that was really cool. They'll cool take they'll, they'll take a syringe, and I actually kind of liked that. The further you were away from your home base, like the like the, like the longer it took for you to get the benefit of using the uh, the convert spell on that soul. It's like a supply line. Uh, yeah, yeah, because they would have to run further in order to get it back to your shrine in order to turn it into a resource that you could turn into a unit for yourself. Um, this was, of course, before um, I typed, uh, let me look down here, control shift <laughs> tilde uh, backspace at symbol space don't fear the reaper to get 30 souls. 
Um, mm. That is a pro tip. <laughs> because of a pro tip. <laughs> it's just a cheat code. It's a pro tip, Gary. The, don't the, the, Yeah, I know. It's, it should be in the manual because you need it to beat the game. The, the, um, but and it, that is a neat strategic element, like the sack doctors, because they're really fragile. So you don't use them in battle. And if you try, it's a really risky proposition. Well, mana whores, too. Like, 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 like anytime they enter into combat, they, they, they fall. Right. And they almost always follow you around because you need them to get mana, which really, again, just kind of discourages you from participating in the battle. And if you're not participating in the battle, what's the point of you even being there? Like, why aren't you just an omniscient <laughs> well, person? You know, The point of you being there is so you can see what's happening so you can issue orders. Right. But like, if only there was a way, if only there was a tried and true way to, to see what's happening on entire battle. And, if only there was orders. some kind of perspective we could leverage in order to see what was happening from like a, let's say, top down godlike view. If only Dune hadn't come out for the, uh, <laughs> you know, for the PC and invented an entire genre that, <laughs> that, that, that perfected this one element of it. It'd be like if you, you played Mario from like... <laughs> You, you know, I mean, not even not even top down. Like it'd be like isometric, from like yeah, like isometric Mario. Like it'd be, yeah, it'd be like Landstalker or something. Like you know, how those games never work. Like you're playing Landstalker, and it's like, why? Why even do it like this? You know? Or or the Magician, or, or any of those games. Like don't don't do isometric perspectives on on action games. Just never do it. I think you just nailed the primary question of sacrifice. Why? Yeah. Why? Why make these choices? Like. It, so, so super frustrating. The sack doctors are kind of interesting, though. Like, I'll yeah. give them that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Pretty, pretty neat. I like the idea of these kind of neutral agents of, of nature that everyone has access to. What I don't like is, like, the, like the, the, like the soul thing, right? Because it's a, it's a rich-get-richer scenario. Yes. It, it, it's a cool – I thought it was a cool conceptual thing. Like, I was, I, I was perfectly fine with that. They actually do a really neat interaction between narrative and gameplay where when it's setting up – the, the initial story where you're talking to Mithras, it's after this battle and you see all of the corpses around with their souls floating there. And then when you're playing the game, that starts to mean something mm-hmm. to you. And I thought that was really cool. Like, that's a really nice image. You know, like, you know what the, what the battles look like. You know what these souls look like just floating there. I thought that was pretty neat. Um, mechanically, though, it just means that you, it's like you said, the rich get richer. Like, if you, if you have that advantage, you can go and kill more of your opponent's creatures and if you're able to convert their souls, then you just have a like a permanent leg up because there's limited resources in the game. And by and by the time you reach about like mission five, like your first level units, they're not going to do much good to you unless you no. bind them to a manolith, in which case they're going to be okay. But like you're going to have to summon your you know your third, fourth, fifth level ma- you know creatures, and those cost you know three, four, five you know, souls each time. Which I guess is where the, the cosmology of the soul thing breaks down. Like the idea that like, like an elephant has like four souls, yeah. you know, <laughs> like, why is that? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, they are, they are more resource intensive and you're going to need them. And they're still in some cases, not any less fragile, you know, because your opponent is always scaling with you right. and always seems a little bit more aggressive and a little bit more prepared, at least from the beginning. Um, of, of each mission, it just it doesn't help that like every mission that you start out in, whether you're facing off against one wizard or two, 
you know, you start out, you have your one shrine and like your one mana fountain in front of you, and you can start this and you're going to have to, you know, eke your way inch by inch throughout this entire thing. And they have, you know, any number of souls that they have to fight against. So it encourages this, this, this turtling, you know, strategy where you just bait them into coming at you so you can farm souls at, you know, so you can farm souls. It more it more than baits it. it like it all but demands it. Yeah. Like I defy you to, to find another way to play this game. Like, and I definitely tried. In the first couple missions, you can. The first couple missions, you can play it as maybe it was meant to be played. You know, in the spirit where you're using a variety of units, you're you're kind of matching unit strengths versus your opponent's weaknesses. At some point, though, around mission four or five, you get attacked very quickly off the bat. You start out with like maybe four to six souls you can summon. And you're immediately on the defensive. Yeah. And all you can do is tie your units to the to the shrine, you know, or to the uh, the mana font or, or what have you. Yeah. Using this guardian spell that makes them strong, you know, makes them strong if they're not if they can't be aggressive. Mm-hmm. You know, so it discourages movement, and you just wait for the enemy to throw themselves up against the rocks and leave souls, and you just improve your defenses, and then they send more enemies, and you improve your defenses. And this just goes on, and that's that's the gameplay. And I, I would be charitable enough to say that like this isn't an intentional thing. Like I would say, like oh, that's just the path of least of, of like least resistance. However, they put a path of mana fonts between you and any enemy that you have to take. So it becomes this battlefield like situation where you have to take the flagpoles from your base to the enemy's base, and then that is victory. Right, and it, it's a slow, tedious victory, you know. And this is and this is on the missions that I could beat. Like sometimes <laughs> it is too hard, even using this strategy. And there are a couple of missions I'll give it credit where they kind of break it up a little bit mm-hmm. your objectives. But most of the part, you're just kind of leapfrogging into your opponent's territory until they're too weak to where like the last fights are never exciting. The last fights are always foregone conclusions. Like it's the same thing as turtling in Warcraft Two. And constructing an army that could never be stopped. Right. And just sending them. But that's kind of fun because you have control over the army you're doing. It mm-hmm. takes less time. The <laughs> missions in this game take forever. Oh, so goddamn it's so long. Slow. Ten missions? Just, Why did ten yeah. missions take fifteen hours to beat? It, totally. Like no, there's no reason for that. Like a, a mission should not be that long. The one that um that I talked about that the glitch uh got me was actually one where they broke up the 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 action a little bit. If you align with Pyro, you're invading other uh, gods' areas, and you're trying to build this pyrodraulic dynamo thing that uh, ultimately ends up doing fucking nothing. And I, I went online and like <laughs> I was like, "Oh yeah, I spent all this time building a thing. Um, what did it do? Nothing." But you're spending all this time building it. So there's a middle portion where you're gathering slaves. Holy shit! Is this misguided? Like. So the first time I tried to do it, I was like, okay, I don't want to defeat all these wizards. I'm going to try to gather these slaves kind of incognito, like eke out the area around these factories and stay under the radar and fight off the the, the main wizards. Mm-hmm. So I did that, um, but the main wizards came and fucked me up every time. Fine. Um, then I said, okay, I'm going to kill the wizards and then just have time to, to bring the slaves back. The slaves move slower than anything. <laughs> you have a, a spell that can speed yourself up or speed up another unit, but you take uh, slaves in like groups of three, and by the time you get to the next factory, the, the spell is already worn off. So you have to cast it just over and over and over again, um, and you have to cast down your mana whores if you still want to regain mana. Right. You know, so you're not outrunning them. 
So they just move so, so slowly. And so I, I just done my turtle thing, ignored the factories, did my turtle thing, killed the other two wizards, fine. And then one of the slaves was missing. I had no. to collect 10 of them and I could only find nine. <sighs> and I think they can die. I think that the opponent can kill them and they never get replaced. There's no message. There's no, like, you have failed the mission. One of your slaves has died. So, like, 90 minutes into this, like, tedious leapfrogging, spreading my bases out one by one, uh, found out the mission was uncompletable. It lets you march forward into an unwinnable situation. Totally. Like, what is this? Like, a Sierra? This is, like, a Sierra? <laughs> like, is this King's Quest Three? Like, like, don't, is this don't do the that. Hitchhiker's game? Is this yeah. the Hitchhiker's IF game? Come on. Don't do that. And it's not, it's not fun to traverse this world. Like, you can't traverse very fast. Even with the speed-up spell, which lasts, like seven seconds yeah and maybe doubles your movement speed these worlds are huge they're not that interesting to explore like i'm just traversing this gigantic you know tessellated fucking shitscape <laughs> and just <laughs> like it was it was so so tedious and then to have it not work at the end i'm like fuck it cheat fuck cheat, you. cheat 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 fuck you sacrifice <laughs> and that was the first time i cheated it was mission five mission I'm, five for me too i disgust See, mission five for me was like, okay, we're gonna go after like I was I was aligning with Stratos. I had a Stratos wizard on my side, a Braxis, if you know you know who that is in this crazy fucked up cosmology or whatever. Um, you go after one of Charnel's uh, Hellmouths, um, mm-hmm. which just reminds me of Akewood for some reason. Um, mm-hmm. And and you defeat you 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 close the Hellmouth. And uh, after that, like the 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 servant of Stratos for Braxis is like, I cannot let you do this. Blah 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 blah. And then all of a sudden, you are left far far away from your home base without any any like you know sucker at all. So you mm. have to run back to your home base. You have two armies that were like right upon you. One of them was allied to you. The the other one was you know an enemy of you. Like now they're both enemies, and you have to run back. And that was where I had to start cheating was because it was like I had not prepared at all. Mm. And when I, when I reloaded my save because I'm the kind of person who does like uh you know, let's let, let's save, you know, MP, you know, mission Persephone uh 5 and that's mission 5.1 and that's the first save that I made on the fifth mission of Persephone. User OCD. Then 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 the, the yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm this taking medication. Don't worry. This is Cole's long-winded way of saying <laughs> get help. <laughs> this is Cole's long-winded cry for help. So so I you know, just like, oh well, dot five, that won't win me any kind of that that won't win me anything. Uh so I'll go back to dot four. Nope, that won't win me. Dot mm-hmm. three, dot two, dot one, uh then just five by itself. Uh, nope. Okay. Well, then I'm going to cheat. <laughs> yeah. And it, you, you know, it's nice at the very least. So the game is very, it lets you quick save. Yeah. And when I was playing the missions leading up to this and all the attempts that I made to get through the missions, uh, legitimately, I would, what I would do is I would create my turtle base. And then anytime <laughs> I sent out my, um, sent out my, uh, my like raiding party. So I'd create my defense team and then I'd create my away team. Um, and I would just save and then make a run. And if it worked okay, great. If not, I would either reload or I would just, okay, I need to wait for more people to attack me. And it just becomes so iterative. Like, not only is each mission so similar to the last, but within each mission, you're doing the same thing over and over and over. And then restarting over and over and over to do the same thing. Like, it's just this weird wheels within wheels. Like, like the structure of this game should be painted on, like, an asylum wall. (laughs) 
my, in, like, my same strategy shouldn't be my strategy strategy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Jesus Christ. Yeah, Mission Vibe was, you know, that was where it went south for me, too. So Up until that point, it's like, I don't want to say it was that enjoyable. Like, there was never that much variety, but it was more novel. Yeah. You know, so it was like, okay, this is kind of fun. You Again, you know, a couple positive things. Like, you do get a nice sense of, like, increasing power as you go. Um, you know, the later units, with the exception of level two, which everyone kind of gets a stinker, I think. You get, like, a bug unit, and they're they're not that great. Um, as you go further than that, you get kind of cool units, and it, it felt, you know, I remember um, either on five or six, I got uh, pyromaniacs, which were Pyro's uh, sniper units, and those are really powerful. And I remember feeling like this is a jump in power, mm-hmm. um, but it's kind of invalidated by the enemy. You never need to to try a tactic; you just need to, you know, do that overpower thing. It was never like I have ability A and I need to match my opponent's ability C. It was always like. I have ability five. My opponent has ability five. We just need to cram them together and see which one ends up being higher. You know, it was never about outmaneuvering or anything like that. Yeah. So it was, it was you know, I got, I got, I was trying to start that off as a positive thing. It just ended up ending in a fucking another, another complaint. But how much of this do you think is just that, that, that shiny didn't know how to balance this thing? I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a strategy gamer, so I'm not the person who says like, um, so, um, I got 1.1 damage per second on this particular unit, and the equivalent unit on Parallel's team got 1.2. Um, so I recommend that you address this in a patch. Like, I so, just so like people do do that. There, I mean, you know, you, I've gone online and looked at the different units, um, and you know, the 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 gods are relatively balanced in the end, but not mission to mission. Right. So, like, if a level 10 of any god has a good variety, you know, good spells and good variety, then at mission 3, you know, Stratos is still crazy underpowered. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't come until later. So they kind of function more as difficulty choices as opposed to, to balance issues. I mean, it's never going to be totally balanced because you create your own kind of path through. But, and even if it was balanced, you still need a wider variety of things to do. But the question is, is there an ideal path? I, I'm sure there is. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean just, yeah, I just get, I don't get, I don't get, know get what it is. I bet you there's one that makes it marginally easier. I chose Pyro because he was supposed to be, you know, the easiest path to get through the game. And it was for that first half. And then a couple of the, the between five and ten missions I beat without cheating. Um, but I did end up having to cheat for the last three, you know, full stop. Like, no, no question. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know what I could have done differently, you know, what spells I could have had or what different units I could have had that would have made that work. And that and that just seems like a failure of feedback. Yeah. Like, I, I just I, I had no I had no idea why my people were dying. I had no idea why I was failing at what I was doing. And just I would I would I would attempt every situation over and over again, and there wasn't enough information except for huh those health bars are going down pretty quick, hmm right and though there are some some of my souls are floating around yep you know and and yeah I see those and I better run and go grab them a, a way I was if I ever like let's say oh here's some French toast I've had a stroke um, <laughs> and I'm gonna play this what? game again. <laughs> Though the way I'm going to do it is one of the cheats lets you harvest your enemy's souls without yep. converting them. I would play through the whole game like that and wonder yeah. and see if it balances it he, a little bit more friendly. Here was my mantra at the beginning of every mission after mission five. Uh, my wings are shields of steel. Castrate the heathens. Don't fear the reaper. 
<laughs> those are, yeah, all, all cheat codes in kind of Blizzard fashion. Um, the way I cheated, since this is just kind of becoming a how to cheat, because it's how you play the game, um, was by spamming my most powerful unit. So I would do uh-huh. a plethora of, and then just Phoenix, which is uh, Pyro's most powerful unit. Yeah. And if I just summoned, you know, 16 or 20 Phoenixes, could do just about anything I needed them to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that is how I, and then made my guy invincible. So I didn't have to worry about that. Um, <laughs> that's why I would do it too. And see that, that, that like creates another, another problem, which is like, even if you were not invincible, like if you got to the other, you know, person's temple, there's nothing stopping them from getting into your temple too. And right. you could both be desecrating each other's altar at the same time. Right. Right. And it just kind of becomes, and, and they kind of balance that by making the, the sack doctor so, so weak that you can, um, you know, just that you can interrupt a, a desecration really easily. Yeah. Um, but so can your opponent. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that happens several times in the game too, where I would be at the opponent, he would have, you know, he would just be by himself with two people would run up, nah, nah, zap my sack, my sack doctor. And then it just, it was just a, a nuisance attack. It didn't, wasn't improving anything. It wasn't improving his position. It was just there to be annoying. Yeah. Kind of the bigger problem with this, or the biggest problem, I think, is that, like, when you do an RTS, and I had this problem with Brutal Legend 2, which is, like, a game that I, you know, I never end up finishing. There are things I really like about it, but, uh, you know, ultimately, I don't think it's a very, very fun game to play, um, even though I think it's more fun than this game to play, <laughs> is that when you when you do an RTS, like this third-person way, you're giving up so much strategy because, you know, the building part of that not only is it fun because you're designing a little town, mm-hmm. but there's tons of strategy involved in that. It's a huge aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And you're just, you know, we're limiting your viewpoint, you know, removing that whole element. Like there's just less to the game Yeah. this way. Like it becomes this like football, you know, this game of football where you're just kind of going back and forth for this, you know, the furthest line you can get out from your base and this kind of like line of scrimmage. And you just kind of, I don't know anything about sports. So forgive me when I say something <laughs> really stupid, but you're just pushing this, this, this line, this, you know, football line. <laughs> this, <laughs> this football, as a, as a person who used to play football, you you're right. You you yeah. are right. So and that and that's not a very fun game. Like that's not really a strategy game. It's like it's not. You know, where's the strategy in this? Attrition, like, you, attrition, 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 yeah. attrition. Which is a strategy, but it's not <laughs> enough to call the game strategy. That's no. like saying the strategy to Mario is jumping, like. <laughs> You know, it's it's not like there's just there's not you don't get very much choice. Like it's which units to summon and which spells to use. But those you know choices are really minimized by the fact that you really have to use your most powerful units. Spells are of limited importance. And I had the character with the easiest to use spells uh-huh. in the game. And the way mana recharge and everything, I would be lucky if I could get off one really good, uh, you know, area effect spell on on the enemy. And uh, and that was it. That was there, my contribution. There was one great spell you could cast. It was called Control Shift Tilde Backspace <laughs> at Space I Have the Power, which would refill your mana. Yeah, um, good spell. It's a great spell. It's really good. It refills it's your magic mana. Words. Yeah. <laughs> no, and what's funny is like the, the like for, from what I can can understand and from the research that I did, Persephone's ultimate spell is uh, it's these uh, it's called Mean Vines. I guess I think mm-hmm. that's close enough. Everybody's ultimate spell can backfire on you. Yes. So if you are close enough when you cast Mean Vines as a disciple of Persephone. Um, like those mean vines will pick you up and potentially throw you off the side of the island. 
And you have to be close enough because that's the that's, game is designed for you to be down in the shit with your units. That's the range of the spell. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, this is like, I've never met like a more usually when when there's a genre of like a handful of games. Like I'm really excited about it. Like, you know, the I, I'm on the record, like every first person RPG, every Deus Ex, Alpha Protocol, uh, Vampire the Masquerade, National Treasure. I want yeah. a holiday dedicated to each one. I want to take Deus Ex Day off of work once a year because those games are phenomenal. It is just a, a combination of genres. It works so, so, so well. Um, this is just a, uh, a combination of, of genres that just, is the worst of all possible worlds. Like there's nothing the the third person action RTS like should have been aborted. Like this should it's never a, it's have been. It's an abortion. It's an abortion. That was the exact word that I was going to use. It should never have been. Like <laughs> never have been. Like no n- never should this game have come out. <laughs> the, like the, you know, or just the game this isn't a there's a reason why there's only two of them. Like nobody does it, you know? What a weird, like, man, the fact that this guy did it, it's like, okay, it's kind of experimental and everything. Why did Brutal Legend come out? Well, no, 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 no. This is a story that I read on TV Tropes, which is regrettably a place that I go <laughs> to do research for this show. Um, <laughs> the, the the team for Brutal Legend, one of the higher-up designers, um, was a person who designed Sacrifice. And Tim Shaper, who is the Lord god patron of all that is good in video games i guess um he didn't know that this person you know had designed sacrifice let alone he didn't know that sacrifice was a thing oh man so it's just this guy's weird like perverted plan like he just has (laughs) one you know one thing he's insisting on inflicting on the world you know just like if, if if brutal legend like the first you know three hours of brutal legend where you're mostly on foot and you don't really summon units yep. or you just summon followers are really fun. Like imagine that game is just kind of a third person action RPG where you had the ability to summon minions that came mm-hmm. with you. Yeah. As opposed to being these kind of battle concerts, it'd be great. <laughs> it would be a really good game. I mean, it wouldn't be perfect, but the, all the personality and story and everything would have carried it over the line. Uh-huh. You know, the same way that could have happened with this, like personality, story, all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Totally these, succeeds in this. Like, these are all things that we have lauded games for in the past. And I think, like, we can't give this game, you know, short shrift. I mean, like, nor can we give it a pass, but we can't give it short shrift for being as personality-filled as it is. Right. We can, I would never say there's nothing neat about this game. Yeah. Like, that, that level structure, the way you build your character. Somebody take that idea and run with it, please. It's so cool. That's a like, great idea. Like take just it and do it, it justice. Genre. Do it justice, yeah. please. Like, I, I want to do that. I want that to be like. Did you ever play? Um, what is that indie uh, side-scrolling game where it's the levels from Super Mario Brothers, but you can play through as any Nintendo protagonist? Oh shit! Like I've read like tons of joystick stories about it, but I have no idea. That game is really neat. Something like that, where it's like a a, a side-scroller where you have a, a series of different characters you can choose, and then depending on who you complete the missions with. Or even make a, I guess that's not even the same because the, the levels wouldn't be the same. No. Just do this kind of like branching, many different possibilities, game long character creation thing like this. Do that, but do it in a fun genre. Like make the game fun and don't <laughs> ever, no one touch this genre again. Never. No. Never. This this should just should not be. It is just a terrible idea for. Seal for it play. up. Seal, <laughs> seal it and put as many warnings outside as you can. This 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 genre should be at the bottom of like a haunted mine. <laughs> that like that like you know 
a bunch of Indians died to dig. And there's just, there's a, a funny shaped seal on the door. And there's, and when you go to town, there's an old man warning you to stay away from it. Like this needs to be buried deep within the earth. Put as many, like as many language translations as you can outside of this is like, this game is powered by a forsaken child. Yeah. By a forsaken <laughs> genre. Like just the, the, the genre that, that the God forgot. God just, damn this game. It's just, it's not, it's just so not fun and so frustrating. And <laughs> at, it, it, at its best, it's tedious. And it just, it obscures all of this really, you know, neat no, ideas, no, neat no. personality. Wait a minute. No, at its best, it's a series of cutscenes that can, that you can watch on YouTube. <laughs> like, it's yeah, like, this is, this the is... ultimate cheat code is www.youtube.com. And insert sacrifice cutscenes. Exactly. There's, there's, the cheat, like, there's the cheat code. Has Tim Curry? It has like it has a uh, uh, Colonel Campbell from uh, Metal Gear Solid. You know, yeah. it has a uh, it has the brother from Everybody Loves Raymond. That's your cheat code. Yeah, totally. Even though I will say, and just to I will say, just to throw uh, throw something throw the game under the bus a little bit for something that we generally like. If you did get to the the end of this game, the story does kind of take a shit. Like it does a little bit. Okay, the so overarching plot is super generic. So yeah. I, ne- I never, I like, I didn't beat the last mission. So I know that there are ten missions in the game, and um, I famously uploaded my my notes from mission yes. nine um, yes. to, to 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 the Facebook page. Which let me uh, let me let me let me go here. Um, chapter nine header ruin Stratos five tries. Nope. <laughs> and that's really honestly all you need to, to give that yeah, but the, the game like so you're telling the story in the past to, to this mithros character and everything you do in between all of the interesting stuff where you're squabbling with the gods is turned out to be more or less immaterial like all of the choices God, you're no. making because no matter what you do uh this the centaur i can't remember his name um allies with stratos Armaduke hmm? from mission three. Yeah. Uh, he showed up in your mission three. He didn't show up until a boss for me. No. Oh, okay. But yeah, the guy from mission three, um, is like the last of his race and he wants revenge on all the gods. What? So he has worked with Stratos to summon Marduk and fuck everything up. Marduk is your arch enemy. He was a demon you summoned, um, in your, your home base. So all of this shit I was doing with the hydrodraulic dynamo, all of this stuff with with Pyro, the squabbling between the gods, didn't really matter because this guy is going to fuck everything up anyway. So it's the opposite of Deus Ex Machina. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. <sighs> it's just yeah, Fucking somebody comes and, and, and takes. So there's no. It just ends up becoming this good versus evil thing. Like Marduk is not interesting. Like he's just a demon who says he encapsulates everything negative about the world or something like that. And you just have to kill him, no matter who you have allied with. They want to kill him because he wants. So I allied with Pyro, who is more evil than than Charnel. Like he is, you know, he's a shit. Yeah. And uh, you know, he kills slaves and he kills gods and he burns down forests. He's a terrible person. And uh, he's still. He's just like, okay, kill this, uh, kill kill uh, Marmaduke. And uh, and you just you just you kill Marmaduke for a big black fire god. And uh, but it's the same thing you would have done for anybody. And then at the end, you get a choice whether you can you can. Uh, work for pyro or no and that's it that's the the extent of you know so the story's gonna unfold the same way no matter what how do you make it's, the choice is it just a dialogue box it's just a dialogue box Fuck it. does it make a difference i think it gives you a stat boon 
Like we didn't talk about those very at all during the game, but I think oh, you but, get a chance. But, but, but it affects your multiplayer game. I think it does, if okay. I recall. But like, so it doesn't matter what you do during that whole thing. This whole st- why are you even telling the story to the guy? Like the the whole point is you're telling the story to Mithras. If you were a good storyteller, you'd be like, there's a whole bunch of inconsequential squabbling with the gods until, you know, Pyro decided to do this. You wouldn't tell this little minute detail about, like, and then I summoned another ranger. And then after my mana had recharged, I tied him to the structure. And And then I waited for my mana to recharge. And, like, you know, it's not, it doesn't make any sense. Isn't Mithras Marduk? Yes. Okay. That's the other thing is you're you're telling Marduk all this stuff. And that's when he flips out and decides to kill you. So so that's the twist. But it wasn't like it gave him a tactical advantage or anything. There was no reason for Marduk to disguise himself as Mithras and trick you into telling him all this bland, like, not bland, really interesting inter-god, uh, uh, you know, squabbling that just isn't germane. Yeah, interesting, but of no consequence. Totally, totally. <laughs> like, it just, I mean, and that's like the one, like, what a what a way to, like, you know, it, it, it's the one thing you think is, is good about this game. Or, like, there's only a couple of things. It's one of them, and then just have it turn to shit. Like, I'm, I'm reminding of, like, uh, 1984. There's the scene where he's in the proletariat area, and he runs into the prostitute, and she's got all that beautiful makeup on. And he's super excited and horny because, like, in the in junior anti-sex league and, and everything, the women can't wear makeup. Yeah. And then when he gets her into the, the bedroom, it's a really old lady whose makeup is caked on and disgusting, like she's a clown. Mm-hmm. It's like this one positive you think thing about the game, you know, so you take the game home and it turns out that this one positive thing is actually garbage as well. You know, it just subverts all of your hopes and nightmares all over your dreams. <laughs> and just, it just, ugh, ugh. Cool. <laughs> cool. So we just, okay, looking at my clock, uh, minus, minus the half hour or so that we'd spent warming up and talking, we, we just spent... We just spent work up for about an hour, just so you know, so you're not freaking out about editing. Okay. No. It was like 50, it was 55 minutes before we started. Before, okay. So. so we just spent like an hour decimating this game. And I'm not talking about like, just like the popular definition of decimating. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, oh boy, we took down all of it. No, like we just like spent the entire time talking about like, there is this one great 10th of this game. <laughs> so, so are we in agreement? Like worse than Abe's Odyssey? Oh God! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Holy. So we're, worst game we've done. Holy fuck! Yeah. Yes. No, yeah. Okay. Like, like no question. Yeah, worst game we've done. And well, but but like they share so many common flaws. They both have yeah. personality. They both have really good production value. They both have good senses of humor. But they are mm-hmm. they both fail utterly as games. This this fails way worse on a way more elemental level. Like I can imagine a version of Eve's Odyssey that works. Okay. You know, like I liked Out of This World. The version of Abe's Odyssey that works is out of this world. Yep. You know, me- mechanically. Um, and with save states. So, so <laughs> you know, you, you could fix Abe's Odyssey. I, this is not a fixable game. The only way to fix it, if you were dedicated to doing it as an RTS, is to do it as a traditional RTS. Yeah. You know, overhead view, um, you know, interesting, you know, buildings and everything like that. And it would maybe... <laughs> Maybe be fun. The way to fix this is to buy this and then play Warcraft three with a yeah, hero. With well, a hero yeah, exactly. Well, while, while having the Wikipedia for this open on the other uh, the other screen, and that's how you play Sacrifice or watching the YouTube's. Um, it's it's frustrating too because like we I brought it up when we were talking about giants. Like so so good old games. I first heard about that coming out. I was super excited. Like I love good old games. I think they're doing God's work. Yeah, you know, like they they 
but the two these were the two marquee titles for it like these were two games that were out of print for a long time wouldn't work on modern systems everyone was excited for sacrifice and giants citizens kabuto i bought both day one download i'm like 12 bucks i love this service i want them to succeed they get my money you know these games are supposed to be good when I first did that, I played Sacrifice. I played through the first mission and got distracted by something. I didn't get disgusted. It was before, you know, I got deep into the game. I was like, oh, that's pretty interesting. Um, but I'm so disappointed because if you look at the good old games reviews of this or you look at other corners of the internet, this game is loved. If you look at our comments that we got for this game, this game is loved. Yeah, totally. Like, it's, it's just, it is pretty crazy to me. Like, and it, it could just be, you know, it's it's got to be just the nostalgia, you know, because I kind of try to project myself back to when I was like a much more patient person. And I would, you know, I could see myself powering through this and maybe convincing myself that I liked it based on the fact that, me, you know, maybe I hadn't encountered this kind of like, like this personality. You know, I'm always going to be impressed by that, you know, level decision as character design thing. That's always going to be neat to me. Mm-hmm. You know, so maybe there'd be a time in which I'd feel more charitable about this, but like as a 31 year old man with, you know, a full time job who goes to school, like I just don't have time for this shit. You know, like I just, I don't, there's just so other things I want to be doing. You know, it's just, it's so. Ugh. I would, I wouldn't have paid, I wouldn't have played past mission three if I were not playing it for this podcast. I, yeah, I probably wouldn't either. And, and it's important to note that that's before it gets truly awful. Yes. That's when it's just bland. <laughs> <laughs> like and that is when it's just like oh this is kind of a curiosity um and that's that's really the, the height yeah sacrifice and you know if you you know you listen to this and you still you disagree or anything like that like i'm interested in hearing arguments to the contrary please do send them yeah. in please yeah please do because i mean you know it's it's too late to get that we have some arguments to the contrary that we're going to read here in a little bit um but i'm interested in hearing what what ameliorates those issues we had like, what is the antidote? What is the thing that worked for you about those things that didn't work for us? Change our perspective. Like, if you can argue it away from, you know, what we just said, then do it. Yes. And, and you know, keeping in mind that, like, we're not pussies. You know, we're not. It's not about us being afraid of hard games. Uh, Cole's on the record as having his favorite game of the year. So be uh, Dark Souls. God and, damn uh, it, Terry. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and uh, I don't, you know, automatically hate things that are hard. I don't automatically hate RTSs. Um, it is, it is definitely, you know, I feel like we both have a strong argument on why this game is a piece of shit. Yeah. And I, I just, I would love to have that discussion. Agree though. All right, so you have listened to roughly an hour or so of what we think about uh, Sacrifice, which is not very positive. Um, sorry about that. If you like this game, but, you know, that's what you sign up for when you listen to people talking about their opinions of things. But we are not unfair. We're not tyrants <laughs> like Pyro or Charnel or eventually Stratos. And we want to hear what you think of these video games. So we solicited opinions from uh, our Facebook group, our email, and of course the Something Awful forums to find out exactly what you think about Sacrifice uh, as a game. If you want to know how to uh, throw in your two cents about these, you can listen uh, towards the end of the episode as we talk about the housekeeping stuff. Uh, but, uh, you know, we're we're willing to listen to you no matter how wrong you are. Okay. <laughs> Pass regression. Yeah, we, 
it's, it's just an extension of what we had said before. You know, we want it to be a discussion. If you yeah. if you disagree, if you think that this game is awesome and you can refute the things we said, please do. Yeah. Like I I, I want to hear well reasoned arguments against. <laughs> I am willing to issue a retraction. Yes, I just even if not, I still want to hear it. Just yeah. I, I just want to I just want to hear. Just tell know. tell me I didn't waste those fifteen hours. <laughs> <laughs> so the uh, the first response we're gonna actually kind of tag team this because it's a a long uh, long response. Yeah. It's from the Something Awful board, and it's from uh, Fergus McRoy. And uh, Fergus says, "And I really enjoy Sacrifice. I've beaten it a couple times, following different gods each time, and I've enjoyed it every time. The thing is that ultimately." I don't think it's actually a very well-designed game. The core concept of an RTS where you play as a guy and run around is a good one, and is masterfully executed later on by Pikmin, but in Sacrifice, it's just unwieldy. I find it very difficult to manage my units to pull off the kind of tactics or micro-strategy that I normally expect from an RTS game. Furthermore, the game is hugely slanted towards the defender and turtling strategies. Think about it. The game has two resources, mana and souls. Mana is infinite. Souls are finite. They are not equal in importance. While casting spells you can turn while casting spells can turn the tide of battle, no number of mana fonts makes it viable to bash your head against a defensive line that's well supplied with souls. The defensive line can use guardian units, is close to the mana fonts for extra mana, and convert souls uh, can convert souls much more quickly than the attacker, generally speaking. Therefore, map control is not important. What is important is turtling with a small portion of the map letting the enemy come to you, and making progressively more favorable exchanges until you have an only number of souls and can roll over your opponent. The entire single-player campaign was beaten this way. The multiplayer is not very well balanced in the first place, but my experience with it back in the day was, was that this strategy was effective against human players as well. If there were well-designed maps that had, say, farms or creatures you could control for extra souls, the game would be far better and far more aggressive for it. As it is, the attacker needs to significantly outmaneuver the defender in order to make a favorable favorable exchange, and that's just not possible with how limited and hard to use scouting options are in Sacrifice compared to a traditional RTS. Take it, Cole. Tag me in. Okay. Sacrifice right. is a very singular experience. However, because of pretty much everything other than gameplay, the voice acting is top-notch. The story is pretty decent and sets up multiple story paths very well. Sacrifice was one of the first games that I played as a kid. I'm 22, so I would have been like 10 or 11 when I played the game for the first time. That really made me think about those aspects of the games. I remember being really impressed with Stratos' voice acting in particular. Go figure, that's a Tim Curry character. He also plays James. That's Mm. not correct that's 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 brad garrett okay we won't fault you for that that is brad garrett from uh from everybody loves raymond um so another famous uh character plays james and uh that person does a good job there too i covered for you there (laughs) (laughs) i assume i speak for many fans when i say that one of the most memorable aspects of sacrifice is the art the game looks nothing the game looks like nothing else Uh, To this day, I think the graphics hold up perfectly well, despite being from the infamous period of early 3D, just because of the strength of the art. The creatures are bizarre. The kind of warped but vaguely familiar monsters you could imagine being the soldiers of gods or wizards. They move, twist, flap their wings, swing their arms around, and so on constantly, even when they're idly waiting for orders, giving them a sense of energy and life that is hard to find in games of that era. 
Perhaps that is what sets it apart from other 3D games of the era. You never encounter the problem of characters standing completely unnaturally still. Thank you, Pyrgis. Um, one of the things that you, you touch on that we didn't talk about very much that I agree with is the, the design of the units being kind of offbeat. Like later on, you get um, the, you know, the phoenixes you get. You know, we all know what a, a phoenix looks like in traditional media. But the phoenix in this game are these giant, weird kind of dragonfly insect things. Um, you get a creature called a warmonger with pyro, which are these, you know, 20 feet tall, uh, almost all legs. Like they look a little bit like the bug ground transport from Marwind, except they use machine guns. They look like you, a bit like the, uh, what, what What are the grunts from uh, from Abe's Odyssey? Oh, um, 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 um. Yeah, yeah the, I know what you're the, the, Those things, yeah. Slogs. <laughs> slags, slags, yeah, slags, yeah, slags, yeah. So that that aspect is really true. These things do look really alien. Um, it's just that man, I, I can't imagine you playing this when you're ten or eleven, though. I barely have patience for it at twenty four. So, well, you, you have super patience when you're young, but I'm just kind of surprised it wasn't like just super inscrutable. You know, that's like a, it's kind of impressive. You know, to me that, that you were able to, to play this and succeed at the time. So good on you. Rats off to you. Rats <laughs> off to you, Fergus. Rats off um, to you, Fergus. Our next, uh, next response is from uh, Osmosich, from uh, also something awful. And he says, he or she, while it is true in general that the attacker has a disadvantage just because of the sole retrieval logistics, I don't remember the situation in multiplayer being entirely like this. If your opponent turtles with non-artillery guardians, you can just kill them at range with your own artillery. If they use artillery, artillery guardians... It's usually not difficult to take them down with a melee force. The rock, paper, scissors of melee flying artillery, not to mention siege units that do extra damage to structures slash guardians, and the huge-ass spells like Volcano, made it at least for me so that it was never all that difficult to crack a defensive position. The most unbalancing thing that I recall from multiplayer matches are the spell like the Cow Bomb that give monsters into blue souls. They can be used to essentially whittle down your opponent's soul supply if you're fast on your feet, uh, and those spells were just too strong. Um, what he's referencing, one of the reasons why I like this response is because it focuses on the multiplayer, which yes. is we didn't uh, didn't do uh, spend very much time on. Even though if we had had more time, and you can cut this out if you want, but uh, maybe it would be a good idea to try playing against each other yeah. once just to see it. So we should maybe think about doing things like that in the future. Um, and he, he talks about the giving. So if you, if you give a monster, if you hurt them bad enough, they will instantly become a blue soul. Mm -hmm. as opposed to a red soul and can be instantly harvested. But that's like another mechanism for the rich get richer. I I don't mean to sound like a Marxist here, but like if you're power, if you're powerful enough to give somebody else's uh, unit, do you really need another soul to spend on more units to give other, you know, people's units? (laughs) Yeah. And then that's what he's saying is that that's what unbalances the, uh, the multiplayer. Yeah, that's true. That kind of fucks it up. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. uh, Osmosic. Yeah. Thank you. Um, let's read one from Ramagama before we go to somebody, uh, from Facebook here. I know that we had a little bit of exchange there. Uh, so psyched you guys are doing sacrifice. What made it so special for me is that it was one of the, it was, it was one of those odd games you discover as a young one where it seems no one else has heard of it. One of my good gaming friends from high school years was the only other dude I've known to play sacrifice. And if I see him on a drunken night out, I'm not mentioning the many times we attempted to complete the last level of Halo and Legendary, then I'm screaming out, you're a weak like a mana whore. Excellent. 
don't appreciate the misogyny there, but I appreciate somebody putting something over Halo, especially in a high school setting. So, <laughs> <laughs> good, good, good idea there as well. We don't know anything about the sex habits of mana horrors. Like, they could just be, we don't even know what their gender is. It's, no, no, they're yeah. just orbs. Yeah, they could just be sex orbs. Swords. <laughs> the uh, I like that idea of um, games that it feels like only you know. Yeah. So then finally, we have a, a response from the, the Facebook page, a little exchange here um, from uh, John Solnier. And he makes reference to also posting something on the board. So it's possible that we have already read a comment from him as well. But if so, you get a double duty, John, um, through the miracle of Internet handles. <laughs> and, uh, and John says, I've got some analysis of why the gameplay and sacrifice is so horribly broken, which I'll post on the forum. But the, the primary take home point is, Tony J voiced a throwaway character who has two or three lines in the game. If you were lucky enough to get Tony J to do voice work on your game, for fuck's sake, make him the narrator of the big bad. Something with a lot of presence, either in quantity or plot impact or both. His position in the game is a great analogy for its overall squandered potential. It's like ordering a filet mignon, having half a bite, and then throwing the rest away. And, uh, and our good buddy Will... Uh, says the director most likely works for Bethesda on the Elder Scrolls series, <laughs> i.e. squandered voice actors. I.e. Liam Neeson and Sean Bean. So Yes, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so that is a, uh, you may remember Tony J as the, the voice of uh, the Transcendent One in Planescape Torment. Um, he is an omnipresent video game voice actor who has an amazing presence. Now you die. And he actually, he does, to John's point, he does play the big bad in this, but it's just for most of the time, he just gently, you know, gently listens. Yeah. He plays a gentle listener <laughs> um, and then, you know, eventually becomes the big bad. Yeah. But uh, yeah, thank you, John. Thank you. And um, yeah, so we are going to uh, lie ourselves temporarily with uh, Deliberatus, the God of Deliberation, and we will get the, uh, you know, I don't know. Deliberation Golem, and then like a Deliberation Shooter, and then we can shoot it. I don't care. I don't fucking hate this game. I don't know. It's <laughs> so bad. Really, Music. Really. And we're back after losing a war of attrition against the other gods. Um, it was a mistake yeah. to ally with Deliberatron. It really was a war of attrition against this game. <laughs> Like, literally, you're playing the game the same way your avatar in the game is playing against other wizards, where I'm just making tiny little bits of advancement trying to get through. Yeah. And, and it has worn, worn us down. And, uh, and But unrelated to that, you know, there's no reason why any of you should be punished for that. And we are going to award um, our prize to Osmosic from the Something Awful board. Um, I like that he talked about the multiplayer, which is a, an area that we did not cover. So that's useful. You know, part of the reason why we like listener response so much is that you can shore up our weaknesses, <laughs> which are many. Yes. <laughs> and uh, yeah. So, you know, if the uh, the next game we're doing um, is not available on a virtual service, which it but, is um, but we can and and neither is the next one, but we can give you a comparable uh, prize and we will get in touch with you or you can get in touch with us. And uh, get you a free game. So if you in the future would like to get in touch with us, uh, talk about the games that we're going to be playing. Uh, well, first, you should know the games that we're going to be playing next. Um, mm -hmm. The game right after this one is going to be Sword of Mana, which is a remake of Final Fantasy Adventure for the original Game Boy, which was the first 
mana game of Secret of Mana fame um, that is available for the Game Boy Advance. You can, you can get it for mm, five, six bucks on uh, on the Rainforest uh, if you mm-hmm. so choose, or Half.com or whatever you uh, whatever you like. Mm-hmm. Yep, I, I got it for ten dollars shipped from Half.com. I just started playing it; it's a little too early to tell, but um, it is an action RPG, so it's at least in a genre that uh, is uh, you know proven. So um, after that, we are tackling uh, the big one. We're doing a, a two-episode, uh, 25th episode kind of special on Earthbound. Um, so the first episode, we are going through four side. Um, you know, the people have spoken. We really appreciate you helping us out by finding that midpoint. Um, so the first episode, we're covering through four side. And the second episode, we're covering from whatever comes after that to the end. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a game that neither Cole nor I have uh, have played um, we both started it several times. We never really played it, and I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I have a good feeling about it. It is a first for the show. It is the only game that neither of us have uh, played through to completion. Um, other than this one. Other, yeah, okay, other than this one. Yes. Um, I, I don't really consider this to be a game. I consider it to be some kind of Herculean <laughs> trial. Uh, <laughs> yeah Yeah. um Um, and then after that after earth brown we are going to be doing our one year anniversary show uh which is going to be uh kind of a variety program of uh of different things that we uh, are going to choose arbitrarily um and if you want to have any input on that you can uh, write to us through the known channels please please have some input on it um you know we have some ideas for things we've gotten a few suggestions but this is a good opportunity if there's just, you know, I want to hear you guys talk about this, say it. Um, we're going to come up with some things on our own as well, but um, this would also be a great opportunity just to write in some general gaming things. Yeah. You know, um, since we're not doing a game, if you want to hear your voice on the show, um, you have something to say about old games, um, this is kind of a clearinghouse for it. So it's a, it's a great uh, great opportunity, a great chance for that. After the anniversary show, uh, the uh, show that's going to be airing on September 20th is going to be Tomba! Yes, Tomba. Indeed. Uh, just recently came to the um, PlayStation Network store for the low, low price of $9.99. The well-loved uh, platformer and early PlayStation game. Uh, Cole has very fond memories. I have always wanted to play it. It looks it, awesome. It's a pink-haired caveman who eats pigs, I think. It is so um, goddamn good. It is so good. Yes, it's going to be... Uh, <laughs> I love the way that we set up these palate-cleansing episodes just kind of on accident, where <laughs> we do you know things that are either trying or very long. Like I'm sure Earthbound will be good, but it's a you know big, long JRPG, and we can do a kind of a fun little platformer mm-hmm. afterwards. So definitely yeah. looking forward to that. And we have some good stuff lined up after that. I mean, I don't want to make it sound like we can't be persuaded from the course that we've set forth, but uh, it's going to be a hell of a second half of the year. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm super you. excited about it. Like we we have you know really cool games, you know some bigger things, um, some a couple games. One in particular that I I wanted to do since the beginning of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I'm really excited about that. And uh, I'll give you I'll give you a hint about that because I already hinted about it on Facebook. But you know where I think we're we're probably going to settle into this this rhythm of just doing you know like a probably a Final Fantasy game every year. You know, something like that. And this is this is one of those. So so drive yourselves crazy trying to guess which what we're doing in the Final Fantasy series um, a little bit later in the year. And I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. Oh, gosh. I like knowing secrets. Me too. We have so many. Um, yeah. The, um, so one of the things I want to say is that, uh, you know, in addition to getting in touch with us to suggest games, you can also get in touch with us with just any questions. 
and you can get in touch to kind of support the show, um, you know, telling your friends about it, going on iTunes, uh, leaving a rating or a review. Um, the person who does our 25th review, we are at 24 reviews, we've been hovering there for a little while, um, gets the entirety of the content of all of my Steam indie games that I buy because they're 99 cents and I like them. <laughs> so there are a bunch of really good games in there that I'm just like, this is worth 99 cents, I'll pick up an extra copy. I've been doing that for a while, so I've got five or six just really cool little indie games, and you will get that little fun bundle just for doing our 25th review. Not to bri- you know, bribe you, it doesn't have to be positive. Um, we just want to have uh, get you to respond, so that is a, a little carrot that we're dangling there. I would actually prefer that it was a one-star review. <laughs> no, yeah? no, I, w- I would not. <laughs> don't, don't, don't do that. Uh, don't, yeah, don't, please don't. Don't do that. Um, we, we actually have more ratings than we did this morning, so I want to see. Uh, oh yeah. No, no, no. Okay, so you. We've, we've definitely, yeah, we've gotten in some some ratings, but just a little extra step to, to say yeah. something about the show helps okay. us out. So we stand to actually have our fiftieth rating and our twenty fifth review in the same stroke. So you, like, even before this goes out, you could be that person. You could be our hero. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and and we would appreciate it. We will yeah. talk about you on the show, and give you a bunch of games. Um, um, also, with like milestones, we're at ninety Facebook fans right now. Um, mm-hmm. We could hit one hundred here relatively soon at the rate that we're going. Um, I don't want to like overly commit to like give things to the hundredth fan, but we will say who you are, and we will you know do what you want us to do. I don't. I, I that's. You know, we'll we'll talk. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll definitely end up. We'll do we'll do something um, for you. Those milestones mean a lot to us. I mean, it's kind of dumb. I think the reason why I like it so much is because I growing up being a comic book fan. So any opportunity for a big, nice round number, all I can do is think of foil covers. Yeah, and uh, and inflated <laughs> value. So um, I think that's probably why that speaks to me so so specifically. So really exciting to us. Um, we're going to have some kind of presence at the summer convention season. Um, we're starting out, um, you know, kind of in, in my, my backyard, uh, we're going to be doing the Portland retro gamer expo. Um, so Cole is coming out. We're going to have a booth set up there. Um, we're going to have, we're still working out exactly what we're going to do there, but we're going to have a game set up to play. We're going to be able to have people come up, um, comment on, on the games, kind of like we do on the show. Um, we're planning on doing a couple episodes, um, in person, um, on some things. Um, it's going to be really, really great. If you live in Portland, um, one, you should be going to the Portland Retro Gamer Expo anyway because it's awesome. But two, uh, stop by and say hi um, because we'd love to talk to you. And I will be at PAX, and you will recognize me because I will be wearing a Watch Out for Fireballs t-shirt. So um, if you see me at PAX, if you listen to the show, you see a guy walking around a Watch Out for Fireballs t-shirt, it is almost certainly me. And I'd love to talk to you. And I will have my dictaphone with me. So if you have a little nugget for the show or anything to say that, you know, that might still make it onto the uh, the episode or make it on either an extra episode or make it uh, make it onto the feed somehow. Um, speaking of T-shirts, we are considering the idea of getting some printed out. Um, it's nothing too serious right now. It's going to actually really be determined by your, uh, input. So if you're listening to this and you're not, uh, participating in the t-shirt thread on the Facebook forum, um, then you can send us an email and say, Hey, like I would totally order a t-shirt if it was somewhere in the neighborhood of about, you know, 20 bucks after shipping or so let us know, uh, that way we can figure out if it's going to be worth it to us to uh, get some stuff uh, printed out. We're going to take like pre pre-orders and then pre-orders and then we're going to order it and then ship it to you. So that's yeah. the way that it's going to go. 
we're just regular dudes and it's, it's a big financial commitment. Um, you don't get price breaks on t-shirts until you get to pretty big numbers. So it's not, you know, we're not in a financial position to, to take a huge risk. It's something we want to do because it's neat, but, um, you know, we're not going to be able to take a huge leap of faith. So we want to do it. I know I want one of them, you know, um, no matter what. And even if I had to make some custom ones, but I would love to be able to do it for anybody who wants one. Right. So, so if you're listening and your voice has not been heard yet, uh, there are multiple ways for it to be heard. You can go to uh, facebook.com slash watch out for fireballs. That is uh, one of the best ways to get noticed by us. Uh, we, we ego surf that every single day. <laughs> um, and we respond to you when it is convenient to us. <laughs> um, I was, I respond when it's inconvenient to me. Okay. <laughs> the other way is to uh, either email watch out for fireballs at duckfeed.tv or go to duckfeed.tv slash contact. There's a convenient form there for you to uh, write into us. And yeah. uh, those are uh, the ways to email in. Yeah. And the, where there is our, our cobweb covered voicemail uh, system. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I would love to hear a, hear a voicemail. Yeah. Um, so especially, you know, we're coming up, we're going to do uh, uh, earthbound we got some really uh, bigger games coming up, um, and I know that you guys have things to say about them. Um, here, get your voice out there. Yeah. Do you want to know that number, Gary? Um, I would like to know that number. Yeah. And I, you know what? It, it's you know, the same way. Once you have a cell phone, you stop memorizing phone numbers. Uh huh. I have you, so I don't <laughs> memorize this phone number. <laughs> like you're my cell phone for this. If I ever need this, I'm just going to call you on my actual cell phone and then just have you recite it to me. Okay. Well, I'll recite it now. It is four one nine. Um, eight three four W O F F. And uh, it's not toll free, but the the show is totally toll free. Yep. And uh, yeah, I think that's um just about it for us. Yeah. Um, the other thing, like uh, like in relation to the toll freeness of it, if you're going to be buying anything from Amazon, go to duckfeedtv slash Amazon, and uh, that gives you like a little flag that says like, hey, these guys sent me here, and four percent of whatever you buy. Uh, gets kicked our way. It does not cost you anything extra. And in fact, it goes to help defray any kind of bandwidth costs that we have uh, from the ever burgeoning listenership that our show has. So uh, yeah. that is uh, that is the last time that I'm going to beg you for that for a minute or two. Yeah, <laughs> that's okay. We haven't, we haven't mentioned that in a long time yeah. on the show. So it's, I think we're allowed every once in a while. Yep. Yeah. So um, yeah. And if you if, <laughs> just throwing things out there at the end, um, go to GaryButterfield.net and look at the uh, Average Sunset Covers Club. Is that thing I've started. Um, me and a bunch of my friends, a bunch of people I know have been soliciting covers of Tom Petty's Don't Come Around Here No More. Um, I got seven or eight of them. They are varied and very different. And uh, when, when, when you pick a song that isn't as difficult to cover as that song, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we picked out our, our July song. Oh, what is um, it? Which, uh, Road to Nowhere by the Talking Heads. I might be able to do that. So, you should listen to the ones that are up now before you feel like it, any of them are too difficult because they are loose interpretations of covers. Okay. Uh, but that is my favorite, favorite thing to do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, check that out. Gary Butterfield.net. I'm in, I've got cover fever. It's all about uh, <laughs> cover songs recently. So I tried it, but that, that, that Tom Petty song, not too difficult vocally, um, guitar wise. Uh, There's some bit, tricky chords in it. Bit much for me. So yeah, spoiler in, <laughs> in my versions, I, uh, I pretty much made up my own, uh, verses and, and chords for a bunch of it. So the, uh, <laughs> you'll, you'll, yeah, you'll, you'll have to check it out. Sweet. Um, yeah. So until then, 
until then, um, we would recommend um, if you're going to go on to GOG.com and buy Sacrifice, you do so with extreme caution, um, keeping in mind everything that we've said during this extremely long episode. Mm-hmm. Yep, curiosity only. Um, if you, uh, you know, but you, you know, you might like it. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. Um, we can't judge. Who, I'm not. Yeah, who, who knows? Um, we didn't like it. Um, this is by far the most negative episode of the show. I posted during the episode, I posted on Facebook while Cole was pissing. Um, that, that how negative this was, and uh, what a what a Sam Samuel Anderson, one of our fans, was just like really more so than Abe's Odyssey. <laughs> yeah, yes, Samuel, in real time, <laughs> more so than Abe's Odyssey. Um, so, yeah. Um, but until then, watch out for sacrifice. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're playing against Pyro, fireballs. <laughs> I never want to see this again. I uninstalled nope. it. Like, I don't need you. I have like a huge hard drive and this thing takes up like 500 megs. My, my and, windows partition is 40 gig is 40 gigs. And after I tried mission nine, five times, I uninstalled it. Yeah. It's so. like a hate uninstall. It's been a long time since I hate uninstalled something. I just, it's worse than rage quitting. Yeah. It's like a permanent rage quit. Like I would I kill this virus, game. I kill it. I would install a virus on this computer that never allowed me to run it again. <laughs> you know, get on it, maybe devs. Like, Set it on fire.